Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. Welcome to episode 13. We are giving this one to the dogs. We have both had some major shifts in our dogs lately that we felt would be really powerful to share with our listeners. So tune in as we deep dive on body wisdom of our canine partners and the importance of having that support team when you're in the shit. If you haven't joined our tea party yet, be sure you check out the link in the show notes. We're just about to start our book club and we have tons of fun guests just for our members. So see you in there. Hello and welcome back to the pod. Super excited to have you guys listening again. If you missed last episode, it was our guest episode with Carrie Lake. It was about all things love and connection and just so many good nuggets of wisdom in there. So if you missed it, check it out. You don't want to miss that one. Um, Today we have by request an episode for the dogs. Um, Everyone, well, I shouldn't say everyone, but all the cool people that are equestrians also have dogs. Um, And we feel that this would be such a little fitting episode to have because we have both gone through some pretty significant uh, things with our dogs lately that might, you know, resonate with some of you. So yeah, we're going to kind of talk about that and whatever other dog stuff surfaces. So um, if you have your dog, bring them into the room, let them listen, send us a pic. <laughs> Everyone loves dogs. They make people so happy. Like horses, I feel like have the ability to like make people super happy, but then also do you remember that one email that I got where the lady said that she felt demoralized by her horse? And we were like, whoa, whoa, like that is not the thing that should have happening. <laughs> I know. And my first thought was like, what could that animal possibly have done to make somebody feel that's such a strong word too, right? Like that's such a, like, you really get to like the word. It's like, what, did, what happened? Yeah. So I, I will say I've had some like clients send me some strong words about horses, but never dogs like dogs. It's like, Oh, they make me so happy. They're the love of my life. Like I want to know how to help them. Or, you know, if they're sick, like they want to figure out. So dogs just have such a good energy and such a place in like our equine lives. So yeah. Do you want to go first about your Rocco story? He's like super relevant right now. Yeah. Um, I think it sort of ties into, well, the fact that our dogs both had like similar things go on with the bacteria infection and, um, the process of holding space and trying to slow down the momentum. Cause we talk so much about that piece and like being in the situation and trying to stay where you can see the other side and it's good and it's great. And it works out like it needs to, um, it's such a tough process and really trying to not focus on the issue. Like, oh my gosh, you're this, oh my gosh, you're that. And oh my gosh, going into the spiral of worry and stress, it's such a difficult thing. And something about being fresh, I would say out of it, um, 
gave me like a deeper sense of empathy, especially when we talked about, I think it was like episode three where we talked about momentum and we talked about how different things come in and, you know, slowing the momentum or trying to go to gratitude and how difficult that is sometimes. But for him, it was, it started with a cut on his leg and that felt like no big deal to me. It was like, took a, did his antibiotics, got his sutures. We were two weeks in to his sutures. Actually, they were supposed to be removed that day. And I just noticed when I looked down at him that his eyes just looked a little bit different to me. And I was just like, your eyes look weird. And then day two in his whole face, just looked like I had asked one of the girls that works here, I was like, does he look weird to you? And she was like, you know, if you took a picture of him, I wouldn't even know it was him. And I was like, I know it's just such an interesting thing. And then I had Shaylee check in with him and she really tapped into nerve pain. And there is actually a significant amount of um, trauma that happened to his right shoulder, which I don't think has anything to do with the tetanus, but it was secondary that the the girls, Tia and um, Luna were playing really hard and ran into him and um, actually injured his shoulder. And so when I was looking at him, I'm like nerve pain. Yeah. Like maybe his face just looks weird. Cause he's in a lot of, you know, he's in a lot of discomfort and, you know, and so I didn't think too much about it. And then Sunday morning, um, after I got out of my session, I walked down the hallway and he looked like he had just had a stroke, like his eyes, he was like gone. He was bumping into the walls. He could hardly walk. He was falling over. I needed my son to help me put him in the truck. Um, and so it was super scary because it happened and progressed so fast and he hates the vet. So I was really having to work on as I'm driving almost there was a moment where I was like, should I not take him to the vet? Like, it was interesting to look back at it and realize how bad I felt. Like I felt guilt only because I knew he was going to be so scared about being there. But I also, at the same time, was like, wait a minute, I don't want to be sending that to him. It's going to make it worse. So I was like, I'm going to go to the doctor, going to help you. And I was trying to like, Shaylee I was trying to Shaylee the situation and I was like I'm gonna wrap the path in the building in this like bright yellow light with all these green healing sparkles <laughs> like and I think most of it was like can I distract myself from being in this state of like oh my god you know and so we showed up there and the tech immediately went to bring him in and she saw him and was like did he get a cut recently and is his ears standing up normal? And I was like, no. So I knew she knew like right off the bat what was going on. Um, and so I asked the receptionist and she's like, well, we can't tell you, but it's tetanus. <laughs> um, and I, what I chose to do was I chose to not look up tetanus at all because I knew from me sharing it with one person, their response was like, this is not fucking good. Like, this is really not good. And so I was like, I don't want to know. Honestly, like if things are what they are, they're going to treat him. The vet said, you know, this treatment may or may not work. Hopefully it stops the progression and the recovery really just depends on how fast they can regenerate their nerves. And, you know, um, so the antibiotics and the muscle relaxers. And so I never looked up tetanus, but I did share with people that he had tetanus and I could still see by people's responses that they were like, oh my goodness. Um, and I actually hadn't looked up tetanus until probably two days ago when I was like, I would have freaked out because the videos that they show of animals with tetanus was so scary. 
also the side effects of the treatment. Like I could have gone down a huge rabbit hole and like made it so much harder on myself. But the thing I always like talk about, right. In these situations, it's so much about like, can I surrender? Can I surrender harder now? Because there isn't anything I've done, everything I can do. Now I'm just here. There is something in this for me. I need to just hold the space and the first night was the hardest. And I had my sister and actually Shaylee, thank God you're um, hours ahead of me in time zones because <laughs> I was I, like the first night I picked them up, they were on the fence and I didn't actually even really tell everybody that the vet was still like, I don't know if we should send him. We might, I'm kind of feeling like maybe we should leave him here. And I, in my, there was an episode we talked about discerning and tapping into your own knowing, listening to your animal and really having this moment of, I need to advocate for my animal because I know he needs to come home. But then also that night, second guessing, like maybe I should have left him at the vet. Did I make the wrong decision? You know, um, but I checked in with him and he was very much like, I am not, I am not going to be okay here. So, you know, the vet was kind of on the fence and I pushed to bring him home. And so there was this little bit of, oh my gosh, did I make a mistake going on for me? But I knew, right. And I had to trust myself. And interestingly enough, I was in the same scenario when Thunder, my mini, I knew he needed to go. He looked, he told me before he even had any symptoms that he was not feeling with it. Saturday will be my last session that I used him in. And I was like, that is so crazy. Cause he looks fine. Why I'm, I'm thinking I'm imagining this. Like I'm hearing things <laughs> like what why would he say that to me and then he immediately after right got um it just wasn't right and I knew it was time for him to go it was hard for me to advocate and tell the vet that because she's looking at him like I don't know he's you know we could do this we could do that and so that um the day I was I was that Sunday uh one of the feathers um of the same kind of bird that the day that thunder got really sick that I found out there was this pile of bright orange and polka dotted feathers. I've never seen any, anywhere before here, especially one of those feathers dropped. Um, that day I was trying to make the decision. And in my heart, I was like, this is thunder being like, you need to trust yourself because I picked it up and I looked at it and it was like, trust yourself. And I was like, I need to bring him home. And, um, and then later I actually found one in my vacuum, which was so weird. And so, you know, bringing him home that first night, he sat up. I lay, I slept on the couch. He sat up on, he got on the couch to sleep and he just sat the whole night and panted. And I laid there like, okay, I, I, I watched myself go into panic, go into shame, go into guilt for bringing him home. I messed up. I made a mistake. He should be at the vet. And so I had to continuously stop that momentum. And I had the mantra miracles happen every day. Miracles happen. I literally repeated that phrase probably a million times that night, miracles happen every day mirror. And it was just like soften everything. And I would go into, Oh my God. <laughs> and, you know, we talk about not staring at your animal and like intensely going, look at all the things that are wrong with you. He literally eventually got off the couch and went to sleep in the kid's room. <laughs> like I cannot <laughs> with you. And so I took his dog bed in there. He went in there. He never sleeps in there totally passed out. He was fine the rest of the night. And half of it was like, it's probably me panicking, keeping him up. <laughs> and so it was just such an interesting experience that first night, um, to go through, to witness myself and to see how I was responding to things 
and what I did. And then the next day, just progressively over this last week, he's really recovered quite quickly. And the vet had called to check in and I was like, yeah, he's playing, he's wagging his tail. You know, um, we had Tammy come and do a session with him. I had my, um, a person that does cold laser and she does some acupressure stuff and some energy work has worked on him twice. And he's almost finished with the antibiotics, which I was saying before we started, I always had such a resistance to antibiotics. Like, oh my gosh, they're so bad for their bodies. And even though I know they do good, there's so much harm. And so I wanted to be sure that the energy that I was putting into everything that he did, I was really conscious of. And so um, what I did with the antibiotics was, and with the other medication was literally, I matched them as these little sparkly energy, little balls of light. I would put them into his cheese <laughs> and I would give them to him. And I would imagine them going in and just clearing out everything and really preserving the good, the good stuff in the belly. And, um, and the, the other thing lastly that I did was I miracles happen every day. And then I would just visualize his little light body, just running and playing all over the property. Like I'm going to see you as what I know you can be so long as I continuously hold you. And like, Again, I'm claiming these lessons that I've learned from this. I'm surrendering harder. It was just like a constant practice that I probably have not been able to do before. And so I really feel like the reason he's progressing and it's turning out the way it is, is because that level of like practice that I've had and things that I've learned in the last even year I got to do, but it was such an interesting thing to just witness myself and go, okay, what do I need to do right now? What do I need to do? And again, and again, and again, as many times as I needed to continuously pull myself back from that place. So yeah, so that was my, that's my Rocco story. <laughs> and I know Shaylee, when Arlo was not well, there were like times where it was like, oh, I'm the momentum, the momentum, the momentum is strong right now. And it's so hard when you're in it. And important to have somebody reach out to you and go, help me, <laughs> help say something, make me stop. Um, and it was actually that first night. That's what I was saying was my sister and you, where I was like in this panic place and I had reached out, like, I don't know that this is okay. And you were, and how you're sharing with me that Arlo had bad days and good days. And now she was fine was one thing that actually allowed me to keep that vision of him in a light body playing and running, even if it looked like that wasn't going to be an option for him in moments um, was something that was super helpful. Um, so having someone support in those times was like really a big deal. Yeah, I know you helped me a lot with Arlo too, which her story, yeah, it's just so crazy that they both got like life-threatening bacterial infections that like totally made them both neurological. Um, and they both had lessons for us in like slowing down the momentum in, I feel like appreciation and like what I kind of learned from Arlo was like appreciating her in the current moment because I got so excited about like having her as this puppy and I was like, oh, you know, you're little German shepherd. I'm going to train you as a protection dog. And I had been doing a lot of training and playing and stuff with her and just visualizing her, like what we were going to do in the future and like how she was going to be when she's big. And when she got sick, I was like, man, I've really appreciated you. Like, this is sad that like our time might be cut short. And she's like, well, this had to happen so that you would appreciate me for this current moment, like not for what we're going to do in the future. And I was like, well, damn, what a hard lesson, but okay. 
Um, but what's funny about like Arlo's story is it started with a chicken and that chicken was dying like weeks before she actually died. And I made the mistake. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. Shouldn't say that on live TV. Um, but <laughs> I messaged a friend about it who is very, very, um, she has a hard time with death and she's going to listen to this podcast. And it's true. Um, but she has a hard time with death and she wants to save everything. And, um, I just really believe in the circle of life. But at the time she was like, you can't let her die. Like, what if she has an egg stuck or what if this, or what if that? And I was like, Oh no, she's pretty bad. Like she's drunk. She's looking like really bad. And, um, I just kind of had this knowing, like, you know, she's, it's her time, but she had us having her in the sink in warm water and massaging her neck. And I was syringing herbs down her throat and doing all these things. And what do you know? She did bounce back. Um, she totally did like come back to life for like a week and then she died on her own. And I was like, man, that's like such a lesson for me to like, you know, I, I needed to kind of process that to kind of trust my intuition. But then I put her, so I didn't bury her deep enough in the woods and here comes Arlo and she, and the chicken obviously died of like a sickness. Right. So, um, then here comes Arlo who digs her up, finds her little carcass and eats her. And, um, then contracts this bacterial infection. And of course my mind is immediately like, oh shit, it's botulism. Like she's got botulism. She's going to die. Like she's, because it was the same thing where like she got that chicken carcass and I was like, dang it. And I like bagged it up and put it in the trash. And, um, and then like later on that night, I just like look over to her and her eyes looked weird. And I was like, why do your eyes look like that? And she like, her jaw was clamped shut. Like at first when I took her to the emergency vet, they thought she had tetanus because her jaw was really clamped shut and she was pouring drool out of her mouth. And then I, um, took her temperature and it was like four degrees over what it should have been. And I was like, Oh God. So it was a Sunday, of course, had to like drive an hour to the emergency vet. And, um, she had been shaking her head. What? I said, this stuff always happens on Sundays. It happened for Sunday to me too. I know. I know. I'm like, what is this? And, And then it's like an emergency. It's a whole thing. (laughs) Um, I know it's so strange that it happens on Sunday. I wonder why, but I think it's because it makes you be super resourceful. And also I had gratitude for the vet too, for like being open. So I was like, there's a whole gratitude piece in this of like the fact that we have like the ability to go to someone working emergency hours. Um, like I was so grateful for that, but so I get to the vet and, um, she, I tell her the whole story and they check her out and everything. And they're like, oh, well, she has a severe, like inner ear infection. And she, the vet, like, wouldn't believe that the carcass was tied to what was going I was like, that's just so weird. Like why, like she might have like this ear infection, but it had to have been a byproduct of the chicken thing. And she was like, nope, we're just going to treat her with like, um, ear stuff. And you can follow up with your normal vet. And like, I asked her to do like blood tests just to make sure everything was good. And, and it, it just did not sit well with me that we weren't bringing her home on oral antibiotics. Like that was so strange to me. And so I was of course reaching out to like everybody. Cause I was like, I'm going fucking insane because I don't feel like 
you know, I'm glad that I was able to get her seen, but I, you know, you remember my text. I was like, this is not right. Like she does not believe that the chicken carcass is linked. And by the time it was actually a bummer because by the time that I was able to take her to the vet on Monday, like even just like 12 hours later, she was like full-blown neurological. Like she couldn't use her hind end. Um, she was pouring drool. Her ears were flopped over. Um, she was like walking in circles. Like she just wasn't good at all. Um, and so my regular vet, he put her on antibiotics and everything and, and it wasn't botulism, but yeah, I just remember like being in the momentum of like, Oh God, like I'm spiraling out of control. I don't know how to stop this momentum. And it's just so funny how we get so, um, invested in the health of our animals. And when I, got the drugs and the pain meds and everything. And we got her kind of like stabilized. Um, I think it's perfectly normal. It's perfectly okay to freak out because you kind of have to like process those emotions so that you can think clearly. And then you also have to like, let them go. Right. Cause if you try not to freak out and you hold it all in, like sometimes parents will do and, um, not to go back to the generational trauma, but here we go. Um, because I feel like my mom always used to like hold stuff in because, she didn't want to like upset me. And then I could feel the deceit almost. Like I was like, I can feel that this is not congruent with your energy. And so there is validity and like normalcy and like freaking out. But then you totally do need a friend who can say, all right, well, now you have all these things set up for your animal. You know that you're doing the best you can. And like what you said to me actually really helped me because you were like, you need to release responsibility for how she feels. Like it is not your responsibility to feel how she feels and to monitor how she feels. Like she's got her own body, her own guidance system. And like it, what's done is done. Like she's going to feel the way she is. And by you continuing to feel bad about how she feels is only going to make things worse. So that helped me a lot. And I was able to kind of like pull myself out of that. And she slowly ended up progressing. Tammy LKM helped me a lot. Um, we did a zoom call and straightened out her little face. Um, cause it got all sunken in on one side and, um, and then I changed her diet. And I will say that that was like a big, and I know you made changes to Rocco's diet too. It was a big catalyst to me actually switching over to, to feeding raw and not processed food. And I had been feeling for a while that like I was doing my dogs a disservice by feeding them kibble because there's like so many processed things in there. And I was, but nothing really made me take the leap because I was like, it's so expensive. And like, you know, I've had pound dogs like all my life on this kibble, like they've been totally fine. But I think it was the energy that I was putting behind feeding them the kibble that was really like, you know, part of it. And now that I'm feeding them this like raw cooked food, I have so much like happiness because I feel like I'm putting good things into their body and she's like continuing to progress because I'm like feeding her in this way. But I think more so it's like the energy that's going into it where I'm like, this is so good for your body. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. Like so delicious. <laughs> but yeah, our dogs, they, um, so I asked her one day when I was like laying outside with her and I was thinking like, man, I don't have that much time with her. So I'm just going to appreciate it. I, um, I was like, why? I, well, first I asked her, um, are you going to like stick around? And she was like, well, don't ask questions that you don't want answers to. And then I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. 
And then I was like, well, do you know why this is happening? And she's like, yeah, you just kind of need to slow down and appreciate me for who I am and where we are in this current moment and just take things day by day. And like that helped me too. So yeah, that's my Arlo story. Big stuff happening for us with our dogs recently. (laughs) Yeah, it is really interesting. Um, And I think part of it is right, like our horses are so important to us because they're such a big piece of our life. I think just horse people in general are like so passionate, but like your dog is in your house. You know what I mean? Like your dog is like around you constantly. So I think maybe that's why it feels a little bit more extreme because while your horse may be experiencing something and it's at the barn and you're treating and coming back or whatever, like your animals like in front of you, like showing you constantly. I'm not okay or I am okay, you know? And so, um, I think that the challenge with that is that it is a little bit bigger, but yeah, I think that 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 is so true because I was like, I would be like telling you like, Oh God, I don't know how to stop the momentum because every time I look at her, she's laying in a puddle of drool. Like she's literally right there, like in my freaking face. That actually was the hardest part. And I would have to kind of just like look away from her or like, just be like, you know, it's fine. I've got to release the responsibility for how she feels. But yeah, that's so true. They totally are like in our faces. On a lighter note, um, I had all of my dogs in the car the other day and they got pup cups from Dunkin Donuts and they were super excited about it. And I feel like I should tell everyone in the entire world that dogs get so excited about drive-thrus. I have so many dogs, like it's like on a weekly basis. If I talk to a dog, one of them is going to talk about a drive-thru, French fries, burgers, pup cups, like whatever it is, they get so excited about going through them. And, um, and I feel like dogs like really look forward to riding in the car unless they have some sort of anxiety. Like I know you were like Luna's super anxious in the car, which Luna might be anxious in the car because it's like an unstable thing. Like I actually find that dogs that are, um, that they like to really be in control of their experience. Like, you know, Luna is that way where she likes to be in control of what she's doing. She doesn't want to be told what, you know, what to do and all that stuff. The car is like a very like out of control thing. So I bet if you like got a bed that would be like more structure around her, or if you put a harness on her and clipped her in, she -hmm. wouldn't be like, if you give those types of dogs stability, they get a lot happier, like being in the car. She does find like the, I have to put the back seat of my truck up and I put a blanket down because Rocco and her together are too big. So I literally can't go anywhere with anyone else if I have them. And um, (laughs) the smaller seat, if it gets put down, like she'll jump up on that seat and she smashes herself up against it and like sticks her face off the window. And then she feels like, um, and when, when Johnny was littler, his car seat was in that spot and she would jump into his car seat and like (laughs) the car seat. And then she would calm down. Very interesting. Super interesting. So that makes me think of like bath time too, since we're talking about dogs, because a lot of dogs, like they have anxiety about bath time. And what it usually is actually is like the slipping on the, so like if you're like washing them in an actual um, bathtub, they don't like to slip. So like if you put a towel on the bottom of the bathtub before you like fill it up, they are a lot better about that. Then you also have to keep in mind that like what is warm to us, like our, I don't know what it is about like our skin versus theirs, but they can't handle the same amount of heat that we do. 
like they need it to be like lukewarm or like less hot because the amount of heat that like a human enjoys on their body is not what a dog likes. Like a lot of times they're like, holy crap, like this, this was like fire. Like they're burning me. I don't want to get in the bath. So that's something to consider. And then the water pressure. So like if you're using like your wash stall or outside or whatever, you can kind of traumatize them by like the water pressure. Um, and then I was thinking about what you were saying about how he hates the vet. And it made me think about like how my dogs are at the vet. Um, and I have, so like Sage, she'll shake, but like, she's pretty good. Arlo, I guess I was just fortunate enough to get her young enough. And she had to go to the vet frequently that I was able to really like positive reinforcement train her. And like, she is not bad at the vet. But when I talk to dogs that have like, um, a really like strong feeling, and this is funny because we're just coming off of that podcast with um, Alexa, but flower essences, I like use flower essences on my older dude. And mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like the intention behind them or what it is, but like the calming, like feeling or whatever they, he like is a totally different dog. He used to really embarrass me and like poop on the floor in there. Like if they were going to give him like a vaccination or he was so sad, but he used to like shit everywhere. And I dreaded taking him. And then I started <laughs> with flower essences and it made a big difference. So if your dog is like seriously like scared shitless, literally of the vet, then try flower essences. You could try like showing the vet in like a very, um, sometimes it's like our anxiety about bringing them to the vet too. And like, just knowing that they're going to be taken from us. Like that's a hard thing, especially during COVID, like everyone's animals were like taken from them. We couldn't go in. And that was like a struggle. My dogs got a little bit more anxious then. So I think it's important for us to like, remember, you know, it's kind of like when you send your kid off to school for the first time and every mom I ever know cries for like the first day that they have to like send the kid off. <laughs> and, um, you didn't? Yeah, I feel like every mom I know is like, oh, my kid was clinging to my leg and I cried on the way home. <laughs> my kids are like, bye. I'm like, bye. Bye. See you, <laughs> See you in the afternoon. Everybody's very um, ready. But like, so, well, that energy, right? They feel that. They know that they're like, okay to go to school and, and mm -hmm. like be independent and stuff. And so it's important that we uh, the dogs that have like a really hard time though, I feel like are in our strongest codependent relationships. So I don't know what that says about you, but <laughs> well, our strongest, say, like, I will say, um, he was wet before COVID. Um, and we would go in for shots and stuff. Like he would always walk in fine because they would cut, they would bring the vaccines into the room. You know what I mean? And him and sugar would go together. We, there was there with them, both of them. And um, in the shift of them taking him from the parking lot into the building. And that's when it kind of started. So, and I didn't, he doesn't go to the vet very often, you know, except for lately. And so I found what I had to take the both of them to get their last vaccines. I had, I walked to the door with them because they were both like, they literally were having to drag them. So I walked them to the door. I walked inside of the room until the door shut you know, and then they went and it was fine, but it was, I think it was definitely the fact that they're taking them from the parking lot, you know, and my vet, my regular vet is still that way, which is weird. Um, but it feels like same thing. They're always and the vet had, the tech had said, once they get in the door shuts, they're fine. Like it just looks bad, which is totally what 
teachers will say about the kids, you know, once the kids get into the room and mom leaves, like the kids are fine. They just go play. Um, so yeah, it's kind of funny, but I, there was a significant shift with that, you know, when all of a sudden they're like being taken from the parking lot and, you know, you're not there with them. It was like, I don't want to go in there. I know. So I think in those moments, we kind of just have to like send that we have to be like the grounding force in that like moment where we're just like, it's okay. Like these people went to school for this. They know what they're doing. Like just kind of sending that energy to your dog. Like, don't you worry. Like there might be things that feel a little bit invasive, but this is like, you know, for your health. It's hard too. Cause there are some things that like animals just don't understand. Even when we try to say it's good for them, they don't understand it. And that's why I love like the intention work with like the colors and stuff, because you can at least send a word. Like you can at least send the intention of safety or whatever but then there's a flip side of that where it's kind of great that the animals don't understand everything especially when it comes to like cancer diagnosis um or you know like the tetanus like he didn't know that he had tetanus and it's funny to me how um everyone always wants answers right I want to know exactly what it is but when we find out exactly what it is it like just how you said with the tetanus like it totally spirals your mind and it creates so much resistance. Like we hear about people who, you know, they get, they get sick, they go in to get a lump checked, you know, they've been feeling fine. All of a sudden they find out it's cancer and they die like, you know, five months later because they're so that, you know, it consumes you. So I think it's cool that animals can't always get the diagnosis. Like they can't read radiographs and they can't read their blood work. And if you can find a way to separate that energy and be like, okay, I know that this is the diagnosis, but I'm going to focus all of my energy into what can I do to like help them? How can I best support them? Because when Sage got her leg broken, um, she couldn't really, you know, obviously she couldn't see the radiograph and I saw it and was like, okay, this, you know, it's not as bad as I thought. Like, and I just kind of knew that I had to like soften it because for me, especially as a communicator, because as soon as I see it, she's going to like, she sees it if <laughs> I am connected to her. So that was like the tough thing. Um, but she got around so great. Cause I was just like, knowing that it wasn't like shattered into a million pieces. I was like, you're going to be fine. It's like totally cool. And you know, her cast fell off a couple of times. It was a hot freaking mess, but she ended up being fine, but there is value in them not knowing that they have cancer and not knowing. And so if you do have a dog that has a diagnosis that doesn't have a good prognosis, the best thing you can do honestly is not telling them. And you don't have to pretend that it's not there, but you can just see all the other aspects around it that are positive and focus on those versus like that one sick space. Yeah, totally. So good. The dogs. Okay. I know we might have to have a sequel. Yeah. Definitely. I have to have a less heavy hearted sequel. <laughs> I know we're just like in, in the learning right now with, with the dogs. So, um, so yeah, that feels good. Time is it? Yeah. feels good. All right. So perfect timing. My dogs are now standing up, ready to bark, jumping on the bed as always. And they know the time is up. Um, since we talked about colors several times, just know that Shaylee just put out a colors course that you should go check out. So if you're wanting to dive deeper into the colors, just interesting that it came up several times. So I thought I would highlight that, that that is available. Um, 
we'll put that in the show notes. So if you guys want a direct link to it, um, also just release her animal communication course. If you go look, we'll see him ahead. <laughs> um, so we'll put both of those in there. And, um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you have any moments where you're like, oh my gosh, this, that, or the other, always feel free to share them with us. We love hearing your stories and we love hearing all of it. And if you liked this episode, then share it and follow us in all the places. Also, if you want more, <laughs> we have our membership and it is, um, Shaylee and Amber's tea house. And so that's super fun. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. Okay. Well, we've got growling. <laughs> okay. See you guys later. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.